0: Ethics can be a layer that you put onto your technological considerations, but it's not something that every practitioner within MLOps is actually considering. And what we want to think at Eliza is how do you actually consider when addressing technological problems that ethical layer and how do you approach these problems with those considerations at top of mind not just as a sort of secondary thought or an afterthought which often happens when you look at how a model's performing and go oh this isn't an output i'm expecting and then trying to reverse engineer the problem how do you start it from the start we see ml ops as a sort of way to achieve that from the get-go
1: on october 25th we're coming back to melbourne for our first physical MLOps event. Whether you are just starting in the MLOps journey, improving in that space, or whether you have thousands of models in production, this event is for you. The type of things we're going to cover is MLOps for scale, and that scale can be number of models or the number of people in the team, or the number of prediction and inferences that need to be made in an hour or a minute or a second. So how to create effective MLOps for all those scenarios. We're going to cover MLOps processes and team structures. How do we organize ourselves and the talent that we have in our organizations for better results in MLOps? We're going to be looking at creating efficient and effective MLOps pipelines in an end-to-end. What does the data look like, the feature stores all the way to the model deployment? serving monitoring alerting etc we're also going to cover getting a c-level buy-in and support for the investment in this area we're going to be covering what governance and good management looks like in this space so wherever you are in your journey the mlops event in melbourne on october 25th is going to help you increase the maturity of mlops in your organization i hope you can join us see you then i'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors talent insights Telling Insights are Australia's leading specialist data recruitment business. With offices in Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, they're experts at providing recruitment strategy and building data teams for clients across industries Australia-wide. They provide recruitment solutions for all roles across the data lifecycle, including data engineering, data science, advanced analytics, customer and marketing insights, business intelligence, data product managers and data governance. They're skilled at finding the best permanent and contract hires for your business needs, as well as statement of work project focused data resources. At Talent Insights, relationships matter most. I can say from firsthand experience, Talent Insights are fantastic to work with. Whether you're a business leader within an HR network or a specialist data candidate, Talent Insights should be the first company you turn to for all your data recruitment needs. Find them at talentinsights.com.au. Hi and welcome to Data Futurology. I'm Felipe Flores. Thanks so much for being here. Today we're going to be talking about AI ethics. We're going to be talking about frameworks, how to do it well. What are the ways to get into it implemented in your organizations? And then I think more importantly, based on the questions that we've had from the audience, we're going to be discussing how do you operationalize AI ethics? What does it look like when the rubber hits the road? So I'm super excited to cover this topic. I have two extremely special guests to help us uncover and share the approaches in this space. So we've got Natalie Ruse. She's the general manager at Eliza. Nat, how are you going this morning?
2: Great. Thanks, Felipe. How are you doing?
1: Great. Very excited. Thank you so much for being on the show. And we got Brendan Nichols, who is the practice lead for machine learning engineering at Eliza. Brendan, how are you doing today, mate?
0: Very good for this Monday morning. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, thank you for taking the time. Uh thanks for making it on Monday morning. Uh early, early start, but this is uh this is fantastic. So great, great topic uh for us to cover. And as I mentioned before, like there's been so much interest in the community around how to do this and do this well and how do we operationalize the AI AI ethics piece. Because um, that's as, as the industry has matured, we've realized that that's where the value is in operationalizing um, this technology. We want to do it in, a, in an ethical uh, way. So this is fantastic. Before we jump in, I might ask you guys to uh, tell us a little bit about your role and your remit, and we can take it from there. Um, Nat, do you want to go first? Sure.
2: <clears throat> Thanks. Um, uh, so Eliza is a specialist data science and machine learning consultancy across New Zealand and Australia. I'm the general manager and I am responsible for supporting the team, our teams as we grow throughout both Australia and New Zealand, supporting our customers and developing our deep relationships that we have with our clients and also building out new offerings. And so that includes the development and embedding of our ethics framework alongside of our more technical activities.
1: That's great. That's really great. And um and the, the growth that the company has had has had is amazing. So um, I, I used to live in Melbourne. I lived in Melbourne for about 12 years up until 2020. And I heard about Eliza there, and I heard about some of the good work that you guys are doing with customers over there. Um, I, I didn't realize that it had expanded, you know, across Australia and New Zealand. But it was interesting because when I moved to Newcastle, where I am now, I met some of the uh, team at NIB and they were telling me how they work with Eliza and the work, the good work that you guys have been doing there. So it's, um, yeah, it's great to see the the good work that you guys are doing across so many different industries. Um, so excellent. This is going to be a great, great topic for us to discuss. Um, Brendan, how about from, from your side, uh, your role, your remit? I think you're a bit, um, newer at, at Eliza, but you come with a wealth of experience, mate. So tell us a bit
0: about that. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, yes. So Brendan Nichols, um, as introduced, I'm the head of our machine learning engineering practice. Um, now, machine learning engineering can be many different things to many different people, and I think um, it's one of those areas within the industry that's reasonably new, but it is reasonably important. Um, I, I see it as a bit of a chicken-and-egg scenario. Data science came first because it was extremely accessible. You could do data science on your laptop, Um, You could perform your machine learning activities easily, do a little bit of experimentation. Machine learning engineering is the part where it takes over from that experimentation. How do you operationalize the models that your data science created? And then how do you put them through into your production systems? How do you give them to business users? How do you enable them within applications within your business as well? Um, so that's essentially my remit within the team. I've got an incredibly talented team of people who work across clients as well as internally building IP about how do we think best practice for MLOps looks. Um, so in, in incredibly talented group of people. Um, we work across all different cloud platforms. We've got AWS, GCP, Azure experience. Um, as well as going into DataIQ and other more niche um, AI ML platforms. Um, so that's essentially my remit. Um, I have a strong passion for ethical and explainable AI, um, and looking forward to having a chat about it today.
1: Right, that's excellent. That's fantastic. So let's um, let's jump in. So maybe we can start with um, a a little bit of of background around. How the two areas have, have come to life in terms of one side, as you were mentioning, we've got MLOps on the other side. We've got AI ethics and they've been, um, growing as the maturity in, in our space, in our industry has been increasing. And, um, we've been able to go, as you were saying, from the, from the experimentation to, Looking how to get value from the models of greater value from the models by operationalizing them and making them accessible to end users, to business customers, business users, et cetera. And then we've also been able to reflect and look back at the models that we've created and be able to see the implications that they're having in society. And I love the fact that, you know, as a, as an industry, as a, um, we're, we're, as an industry, we're, we're questioning that um about the impact and we want to make sure that we're creating the society that we want to create instead of perpetuating um things that we may not have liked about the past so maybe let's let's talk a little bit about those those two areas mlops the surgeons of mlops surgeons of ai ethics um, yeah let's let's um jump in i see Brendan, you're smiling there but <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i think uh, when you think about what ethics is and i think when you think about what the principles of um, AI ethics are, one of the core, I think, pillars that AI ethics stands on is governance. So how do you actually govern what ethics in AI is? Um, and when you think about MLOps, ML it's all about the operationalization of machine learning. So when you think of those two sort of definitions of ethics, machine learning, ops, They sort of go hand in hand together. One's about making sure that the ethical considerations are in place and one's making sure that there's structure around machine learning. And what you want to do with MLOps, so you're creating those well-defined frameworks, you're creating standards, processes, practices, building in technologies that format the model from experimentation through to production, Ethics can be a layer that you put onto your technological considerations, but it's not something that every practitioner within MLOps is actually considering. Yeah. And what we want to think at Eliza, is how do you actually consider when addressing technological problems that ethical layer? And how do you approach these problems with those considerations at top of mind, not just as a sort of secondary thought or an afterthought, which often happens when you look at how a model's performing and go, oh, this isn't an output I'm expecting, and then trying to reverse engineer the problem. How do you start it from the start? We see MLOps as a sort of way to achieve that from the get-go. And Nat, did you want to talk a bit more about that?
1: yeah
2: that'd be great yeah absolutely uh, really well said Brendan i reckon um you know at Eliza we tend to be pretty passionate people and <laughs> um and and we like to do the right thing and i I think at the bottom, everybody wants to do the the right thing um just sort of having a good way to make sure that you that you don't accidentally do the wrong thing i think is 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 what we're really sort of talking about. It doesn't have to be massively overly complicated. It just has to be a start and just thinking about things consciously. Um, When we started thinking about, um, we've often embedded ethics into our projects kind of just as a matter of course, when we look at, um, you know, facial recognition data or um, any kind of demographic data, but just, it's just good practice to make sure that you've got a good, um, good balance of, of groups across your population, across your input data. Um, but then we started thinking, okay, so, but how do we make sure that that's kind of, um, embedded and not just kind of, you know, in incumbent on, on one person to, to think about doing that in this certain case? So we started to, to look around and there's a few frameworks out there. Um, that, are, that are really useful, you know, the Australian AI um, AI ethics framework is a really, really useful resource. Um, but even then again, I think it's really um, useful to think about how do you take that framework and what do you then do with that? Um, and it does start, you know, from the very beginning, from the very start of problem formulation. You know, if you haven't thought about what the risks might possibly be, you might end up building something that you actually would have designed the problem in a different way if you'd been thinking about it up front. So it's like Brendan said, it's not something that you can kind of reverse engineer and, and, and sort of bolt on at the end. Well, it it is, and that's better than nothing, but it's certainly a lot easier if you're considering it right from the start.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I love the, the, the proactive nature of of, um, of this because it's a, it can be – um sometimes people might feel that it's you know additional effort and and that that and not not understanding the the value or the implications of doing it versus not doing it sometimes the the extra effort or the the lift uh might seem like it's it's almost like too much hassle um so maybe we can jump into into that side the other one in in one of the one of my early views on, on AI ethics, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this um, was, you know, like I was kind of looking at it more initially more from a technical perspective and sort of saying, well, if we measure bias, then uh, we try, we try to, you know, minimize, minimize bias. And, and kind of, is that, is that it? Is that most of it? I was like kind of trying to understand um, uh, about, yeah, Essentially, what, what is, what does good look like? Um, so yeah, can we talk a little bit about those, those points? Um, maybe Nat, can you want to kick us off?
2: Yeah. And don't be too hard on yourself. I think a lot of us kind of started there and we didn't really know. Um, and it's a hard problem. It, it's, it's not you, we're technical people and we want to try and reduce everything to something that we can calculate and something that we can measure. And so those things are super useful. Um, but it's not the whole picture. And as technical people, we kind of have to get a little bit comfortable with the, um, the, the ambiguity and the non-measurable, um, side of, side of what needs to be considered as well. Um, which is, which is like, we're never going to be perfect, right? But we have to try some, we have to try. And by built, just building a little bit of a framework or, Having a go, thinking about what questions should we ask ourselves at which point of this journey that might help us to uncover things that we wish we knew earlier, um, or that could change the way that we think about how we're going to use the data, how we're going to formulate the model, how we're going to use the outputs, how we're going to measure how that model performance is 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 performing over time. Um, relative to not just our, you know, accuracy performance metrics, but also ethical performance metrics.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's really good. Thank you, uh, Brendan.
0: Any... Yeah, I think sometimes it's important to think of like ethical AI from a layer above as well, which is thinking of it as like responsible AI. So. What does it mean to be responsible? Ethical is one part of it. So making sure that you're fair and inclusive. So your model's not got inherent biases that exist within it and the decisions it's making are inclusive. So it's not excluding certain categories of people. But another element of being responsible is also that those um, models are also explainable now there's layers of explainability like how it made its decision which are ethical but then also from a um a responsibility perspective as an organization that's making decisions that have large impacts um now those impacts could be um things that affect people personally, but they could also be things that affect people from a security perspective. So is the model being maliciously used to cause ill effect towards something or someone? Um, Has it been trained in such a way that that malicious effect is now impacting another process down the line? Um, Those are other ways that you need to think about responsible AI um, without necessarily thinking of aspects of um, ethical in the way that we traditionally consider them. Um, Another element of being explainable more so than ethical around responsible AI um, is that it lends credibility to you as an ML practitioner within your organization Mm. to business users so it, we we've all experienced uh, trying to explain the value of what machine learning can be to a chief executive somebody in our executive team who's going what's the value why why are we doing this you know it, it's just popping a value into my report couldn't we do that without machine learning mm-hmm. and it's somebody in my team um told me you know the first rule of machine learning is don't use machine learning. And that's still yeah. important to, <laughs> to always consider. You know, there's always alternatives to machine learning. It's not the the be-all and end-all. But when you do need to use it, you want to be able to explain and justify how it's making its decision. And if you can, can clearly represent that to a business user, they're more willing to take the risk and take the opportunity of using machine learning within the organisation. Um, and then, of course, once you've got one model, one model becomes 10, 10 models become a hundred, what's your responsibility as an ML practitioner to look after all of those models? It's easy to talk about ethics and re- explainability when we're talking about in the context of one thing, but when you've got hundreds and thousands, how do you manage all of those? and that's when mlops begins to come back into it and you go well you're just one person how do you actually manage that from an organizational and an operational perspective that you are maintaining all of these models without necessarily being able to keep on an eye on them yourself
1: yeah Yes, that that scale is um is critical, right? And that's that's where um so much of the power comes. But you're gonna do it in a in a time leverage way, being able to manage and maintain all those models and and do it in a in a people leverage way. So ideally, having you know a reasonable sized team to be able to look after a thousand models in production or, or more is is in my view kind of the 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 aim. Um, but before we we jump into that, I wanted to ask about the um, about bringing AI ethics or responsible ethic, uh, responsible AI frameworks, bringing them down to the um, creation of the models and and some of the challenges there or the gotchas in that space um, or some of the lessons uh, the lessons learned that you guys may have around how how do how do people that are building um, the models Either from a technical perspective or from a stakeholder perspective, how, how to, um, how do, how does that change the, the development of models? What decisions are different? And yeah, can we spend a little bit of time on, on that front? Um, maybe Nat, do you want to kick us off with, with that? How, yeah, how to bring the, the frameworks to development?
2: Yeah. And I think some of the non, technical sort of side of things is really just asking questions um, and and it doesn't need to be much more complicated than that. Where did this data come from? What under what conditions was it collected therefore, you know, and what other uses are, you know, stipulated by the data collection policy? Mm-hmm. Are we even allowed to use this data for something different to a, a, a different purpose for what it was initially collected? Um, and that's <laughs> I mean, that sounds so simple, but I think so many people don't even consider that, um, that data that they have might have really only been collected for a, a single use. And, and a lot of applications actually specifically prevent use of it for, you know, second, third order applications.
1: 100%. 100%. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Just, I, I, in my day job, I work in healthcare. And, and the, the two points that you just described were two of some of the, some of the biggest scandals, um, around, um, internationally. So for example, DeepMind in the US got all this data from the NHS to be able to predict, you know, people's health and be able, um, to provide them better support. But the, the, the issue that they found themselves there was that there was no consent, um, right. of, of the person's data to be able to share, be shared, um, for, for that purpose. Um, and then there, there's other other issues that we saw in the in the U.S. where people were being um, having their health predicted uh, to see what type of support they they needed, um, but there was problems around the using data as a as a proxy. And in this particular case, it was healthcare spend as a proxy of um, how healthy somebody was. So essentially, they were offering more support uh, to the people that had spent the most. Because that's where they could get the greater savings. Um, but there was in that case, no, no data, um, specifically around a person's health. It was all about the, how much they had spent on healthcare. So as a result, the model, um, was saying that the people that needed high support was essentially people who had lots of money and that had spent a lot on healthcare. Um, a lot of, you know, essentially whites, uh, and then people of lower socioeconomic status uh were getting less support or recommended to get less support because they had historically spent less on healthcare. So it's it's uh yeah, one side having the right data to make the right decisions, on the other side, how was the data collected and what was the consent uh are two critical points. Uh thank you for for pointing those. Um and but sorry, yeah, I interrupted. So those those two key ones. Um Nat, please please continue.
2: Yeah, and that's such a great point that you raise as well, there, just around having um having a lack of data that is um that skews your model as well. So I think another challenge is around um uh, on the technical side is around having um a way to break your data set down into into these kind of smaller population groups for yeah. measurement. So if you want to know whether there's bias, if you want to know whether there's gender bias, then you have to have some kind of gender indicator in there. Um, yeah. and so either you've got demographic data, which is a proxy at best, um, for, you know, real kind of groupings that you'd want to kind of to, to measure amongst people. Um, or you don't, and then how do you actually identify what groupings you have and whether you've got, firstly, the right representation across those groups in your input training set, um, and secondly, um, that performance uh, in your output, uh, in your model output, how well is that model performing across those different groups um, and sort of what's an acceptable tolerance for uh, the spread of performance across different groups. Um, so that's another uh, an interesting challenge, um, and something that I don't think that you can just say, oh, we've got this demographic data, we'll just use that, and that will do. I think um, doing this properly does add um, extra effort to your model development process, um, but I think I think mostly it's just around curiosity, being curious about what's going on, firstly, in the data that you've collected. Um, and then being curious about how your model has learnt, um, and what it's learnt about different groups of people. Um, and then how it, um, how it performs, um, on, on new data for different groups of people, I think are are just really important things. Um, and, and Brendan can talk a bit then about, um, you know, different methods for explainability and, and things like that.
1: Brendan? Yeah, explainability and then, uh operationalizing and then keeping track of those um ethical perspectives once the model is in production and it's getting new data um and and you know how to how to um keep an eye on how that what that new data looks like versus the training data and are we still within the responsible parameters that we wanted to? Um yeah Yeah. sorry Brendan not 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 questions this morning.
0: No, it's, it's all very interesting stuff. And I think, you know, as Nat said, it, it is an investment to start thinking about uh, implementing ethical considerations into your ML development process. But it's not necessarily an investment that you're going to have to make every single time you do this. So there's ways that you can bring in testing automation for those non-functional requirements um into your modelling process. So stuff like bias, you can implementing, uh, you know, testing automation pipelines for testing biases against your model is possible. It's not something you'll have to manually test every single time you do a model. Um, so although it's an initial um consideration you'll have to make, um, this is something that you can make once and then maybe a little bit of tweaking down the line, um, but you'll get clear answers and you'll be able to do that across all different types of models you have in the future. Um, one other easy sort of gotcha that people seem to always make is that that ethical metadata, that stuff like how risky is it to be building a model on this sort of data You know, how socially acceptable is it? Mm. How sensitive are people to being predicted based on that stuff? You know, we talk about it theoretically, can actually be stored as metadata. You you don't need to look at it from a um, theoretical perspective every time you're talking about it. Just store it. Um, And then every single time a data scientist is using the data, they can look at it and go, oh, I've got some social reaction metal metadata on um you know using biases around gender to determine um you know aspects of this model, I probably shouldn't do that. Um and it gets people considering it from the development perspective. Um so you you're sort of tackling it right at the start. And then when we think about through the whole process, things like development tracking, so You know, looking at data data lineage, where's the data originating from within your organisation? When did it start? Um, Has the data changed? How has it been transformed? Um, Are those transformations also ethical transformations? Those things can be fed through into an MLOps system as well, um, built into features um And then once it's actually, you know, your data lineage, you can then consider model tracking. So what's the origin of the model? When was it created? How is it performing over time? Um, What sort of models are contributing to it? What sort of features are contributing to it? And then the output. Um, All of those things can be implemented into an MLOps system as well. And I think it's important to consider not only just the ML stuff when you're considering an MLOps system, but also the, Data and the outputs and looking at where they start and where they end and who they're going to.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Music to my ears. That's, um, yeah. <laughs> spot, spot on. Um, I was, um, I remember I was trying to get some, um, at work, I was trying to get some investment for this area for, for MLOps. And I got some, some of the questions were like, why do we need to do all this stuff? Like, doesn't, doesn't the model just do it? And, um, mm-hmm. and my response was like, if you had, People, um, say, frontline employees making decisions for hundreds or thousands of customers in a month or in a year. Wouldn't you want them to get regular training or be updated on the policies or to understand how our customer base uh, is changing uh, the type of decisions that we want to make as an organization? They should get kind of regular training and updates and reminders about that stuff. I was like, MLOps, we're doing that. We're doing that for machine learning. Um, we're tracking it. We can manage by exception. We can get more scale, right? manage by exception when there's issues. We can get scale. Uh, so it's a, it's almost like a, a, a weight off the, your shoulders in terms of the, the yeah. implications. So
0: you can. So true. And, and uh, you know, the, uh, I think a lot of people in the current IT space consider machine learning to be like standard software development and DevOps practices. You create an application, and as long as that application and everything connecting to it works, it will work. But that's not the case. It, the basic assumption of artificial intelligence is that it's never truly complete. So I, I see it as we've currently got CI/CD. I see there as an extra part CT, so mm-hmm. continuous training, you could call it a continuous development as well if you wanted to, but it needs to constantly be updated. AI, just like a human, if you're not updating, if you're not retraining it, it's going to degrade. It's not going to be as good as it was a year ago. I know I haven't touched the tools for a couple of years. My skills go away. It's just the same as a model. Data changes, and you look at the world. Data's changing so quickly if we were talking about social media 2 years ago there'd be no data on tiktok and yet look at it now so um it is just so important you, you know the point you made it, it, you have to constantly be looking at artificial intelligence it constantly needs to be changing
1: oh mate and and the the point that that you made was definitely something that i found as a as a key or as a gate opener for discussions with software engineers um working or coming into the, the space, working with for example with my teams that from a software engineering perspective are saying if I lock down the code and I track the code and I know that the code works, then everything's gonna be fine. And it's like, well no, the the inputs, the data can drastically change and as as a result, get drastically different results. Um where yeah and, and in those discussions, uh we came up with with an example to say, because we're in healthcare, so we're saying if we build a predictive model to predict, say, people's health, and we're only showing it people between 20 years old and 40 years old, and it learns about that, then we put it into production, and it's suddenly getting um, information about people that are 60 years old and above, the model's not going to say, hey, 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 hang on. I haven't seen people like this before. I don't really know what I'm doing. It's just going to try and take a guess, and it's all going to, you know, work as in, like... The, the inferences are going to be done but how good are they that's that's the um the part that you need to sort of layer on top and does it does the incoming data in production line up with the data on and training uh Nat, a few a few notes there any um thoughts
2: yes a couple of really amazing really great uh examples there and and um kind of um metaphors but um, <laughs> yeah I think the um That comes back to the responsibility aspect, right? Like we have a responsibility by creating this to make sure that it's performing the best that it can over time, not just once. And for an organisation to have a model in production, they have a responsibility to make sure that that's performing well and that they're understanding how that's performing and how that performance is changing over time. I just think it's... We don't really sort of talk about that that much these days, but I do think that it is irresponsible to have a model running in production without that level of oversight over it.
1: Yeah, so true, so true. Just, yeah, just like you wouldn't have a, a human, um, you know, making customer decisions without training yeah. or, yeah, alignment to policies. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally agree. And um, so, for for the people uh, listening and, and watching and wanting to get into the the space, um, both from a responsible AI perspective, from an MLOps perspective, where um, where can they start? Where is a, a good a good place that you guys recommend um, where they could start their journey or or, or further their
0: journey? So we've um, – so Eliza's began to um, sponsor and um, um, host um, a meetup around the community called MLOps.community. Um, now, this is a um, global um, community organisation that we've been watching for a little while, and they've got some incredible resources around ethical AI, responsible AI, um so if you do go to their website mlops.community you'll see some of those incredible talks that they've got some experts in the field discussing how mlops systems can um, be in place around um, responsible ai ethical ai frameworks etc um also if you're in melbourne um we are going to begin hosting a meetup every um second um, I should have thought of this Wednesday um of the um, month. Um so please, um if you are around, we'd love to have you um check out the mlops.community community website and you can um find the details for the meetup and make sure I actually gave the right day. Um but we will be there. Um and there's plenty more resources from that as well.
2: Yeah, thanks, Brendan. Um I'm definitely gonna try and make it to Melbourne for one of those meetups. It sounds really great um and really nice to see the community kind of coming back to in person again um we um also Brendan and I are always open for a chat <laughs> if anybody wants to head us up on on LinkedIn or um or anything um or hit us up on the Eliza website we're always keen to have a chat with with like minded people and and share our experiences um also we will um Eliza our CEO James from Eliza, previously hosted a, a, a podcast called um, AI Australia, uh, and we are actually going to be relaunching that very soon, um, but with a and with a particular focus around responsible AI as well.
1: Great! Oh, that's excellent. Thank you, ah, uh, guys. Like, um, yeah, the work that you do is is excellent. Thank you so much for, you know, the the uh, the additional work that you do to give back to the community um on the on the meetup side uh for for mlops offering you know your your time and for people to be able to connect and and pick your brains is fantastic bringing more conversations around ethical and responsible ai um through through the podcast i think that's that's fantastic um and i do know that you guys uh, are also got something else in the in the works where you're uh, going to be hosting a hackathon soon um can you tell us a little bit about that
2: yeah, so IntelliHQ is a, a not for profit organization supporting innovation in healthcare. Um and we are going to be hosting a hackathon for them, um, for he- for healthcare um professionals, um, to to drive understanding of what can be done with healthcare data sets. Obviously, um healthcare data sets that have been, uh, you know, specifically uh, obtained with the consent to be used for, for innovation. But, um, yeah, so we're going to be hosting, I think, in two or three of our locations um, across Australia, um, uh, hosting the, the, this hackathon um, and also providing subject matter expertise from the perspective of both model development and also um, ethics um, facilitation.
1: Phenomenal. And where, where can people find that more information about the, the hackathon?
2: Uh, that's on the intellihq.com.au website.
1: Great, great. And we'll add the links, uh, to everything that you've mentioned. We'll add them to the show notes. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, and we'll, we'll include, um, maybe the, the links to your LinkedIn as well for people to reach out and that Brendan, Thank you so much. Um, that was, yeah, so much fun. Like, so interesting, uh, the work that you guys are doing. Uh, thank you for uh, everything that, as I mentioned before, everything that you're sharing with the community, which is obviously above and beyond uh, the great work that you're doing. And uh, thank you. Thank you for the work. And thanks for spending some time with us, helping us understand um, and, and better prepare ourselves for operationalizing responsible AI.
0: No, thank you very much for having us. Um, Looking forward to talking more about the Scaling AI with MLOps um, conference. That's
1: right. So in Melbourne, coming up on the 25th of October, we're having the MLOps conference. So looking forward to seeing everyone there. It's going to be a great day. We obviously have people from Eliza coming. The ticket sales have been going well. Uh, so please, for the people listening, grab your tickets, come discuss MLOps. Uh, it's going to be a great day in Melbourne. Hope to see you all there. Brendan, Nat, thank you again. That was excellent. Thanks, no, thank you for nice. having us. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.